thinking of starting a podcast? Well, try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy, Mac. Joining me today is my co-host, Corey Walsh of Fear the Sword. How you doing, Corey? I, I've, I've been better. <laughs> <laughs> Corey has had better days. Had. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, was, I, I said this morning on Twitter, I was like, guys, I'm a realist. I'm an optimist. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just going to give it to you guys straight. I think... Uh, it's an honest thing to say that the Cavs should have got third in the draft lottery and we didn't get that at all. Yeah. It seemed like that should have been the outcome. Uh, but we all knew, you know, the Cavs had such a minimal chance of actually jumping into that top four that, uh, it, it, it just doesn't hurt to be here at 14. Cause we knew that was probably going to be the, uh, the outcome all along. But with that said, man, how are you feeling? You know, pick fourteen is where the uh, is where the Cavs are at now, and it's finally been revealed the whole draft order, or at least the whole lottery order. And you know, now we kind of know what kind of guys could be in position for the Cavs to be able to select. So, how are you feeling? I feel pretty good. I mean, the Cavs have had a very good draft history, and we've had good dra- uh, prospect development over the years with this Kobe Altman uh, plan, I guess we can call it, and. At the end of the day, I feel whoever comes into the building is going to have a good chance of being successful as long as they – because the Cavs are going to pick probably another guy that they determine as a, like, quote-unquote gym rat or someone with that, like, type of mentality that's just going to come in and really help and contribute to the vibes that the team's got going on right now. I, I'm not going to sit here and say who I think they're going to take because, as we know with the draft in general, that trying to pretend like you can – predict where players are going to fall is just a worthless exercise. Okay. So you don't have, to, I'm not going to let you off that easy. <laughs> you don't have to tell us uh, who you think they're going to pick, but at least elaborate. Cause I know we talked about this last week too, but are you still feeling the same way about the prospect that you referred to last week? Uh, Akbaji definitely is still at the top of my list, but if you want it depends on like what kind of angle you want the Cavs to go for it. Like, do you give want me your to top take... three. Give me your top three. All right, uh, Igbaji at one, um, at two, maybe Tai Tai. <laughs> I I feel like I I kind of go between Tai Tai and uh, Tari Eason are probably the other two that I kind of I kind of view them more as like higher ceiling though than Okchai. Yeah, uh, Ochai is more, to me, he's more NBA-ready uh, than most prospects you'll probably see picked within that range. He has a, a skill set that would probably be able to translate right away. You'd be able to get him on the court. He can shoot. He can defend. That's a skill set that you can immediately slot into the rotation. Uh, don't know where, 
but we do know that it wouldn't necessarily be a guy that you would have to draft and stash on the bench for a while or with the charge. Nothing of that nature. So we know Chai would fall right in line with that. Um, Ty Ty, to a lesser extent, kind of would too, and especially depending upon what happens with Ricky Rubio, because um, we don't know whether or not, one, if he's coming back yet, um, although he's alluded to that he's that he might, you know, or that he would like to. And the second half of that equation is that we don't know if he's going to be healthy or uh, when he'll be able to suit up. So if you're drafting a guy like Ty Ty Washington out of Kentucky, I definitely feel like he could immediately step in and be able to, you know, play with DG and company off the bench and give an immediate impact in regards to facilitation. Yeah. I feel like when it comes to Okchai, it, it, really just kind of screams Cameron Johnson to the Suns vibes for me, where he's just a player that steps in and you kind of know exactly what he's going to be. And no one's sitting here thinking Cameron Johnson is going to become like an insane player for the Suns down the road. They, you kind of already know what Cam Johnson is like three years into is, I think he's been in the league now for three years. So like you kind of know what you're going to get. And it's not a bad thing if you're a team like the Suns or a team like the Cavs where you're not necessarily relying on these seniors to like or older players to come in and uh, save your franchise. It's more like you're kind of a missing piece of the puzzle. And I think if the Cavs kind of approach that way, I feel like that's why we're in – you have to remember this is why we're 14th. Like we were the closest team to making the playoffs of anyone – that's in the lottery. Like we're one step away. It's not like we, yes, it would be nice to be in the top four and get another home run type player, but there's been great players, even in this playoffs that were selected in the, the 14th pick 13th pick. I mean, the heat have two of them. They have Bam and uh, Tyler hero and both of them were selected this late. So you shouldn't, no one should be discouraged at where we are is like my really long winded answer to oh, uh, man, that point. Yeah, and I think the majority of Cavs fans would probably join you in that line of thought. I know I certainly would. I think normally you see this 14th pick in a draft being like, huh, this may be a fringe rotation player, maybe a guy who might take a few years to actually settle into a role. Um, And I don't think that's the case this season in this draft. I I think I've echoed a couple of times to you over the past couple of episodes that – I see this as a deep draft, not necessarily like a star laden draft, although there are like star level potential guys towards the top. This is a very deep draft. And uh, you can get a rotation player, a guy who can come right in and be immediately impactful at where the Cavs are sitting at 14. So there's value there. Um, and I know that there are scenarios in which you could possibly package this 14th pick um, with maybe another, an additional asset or two and try move up or uh, acquire a wing who is ready-made right now that potentially you would have more faith in. But I just don't think that's necessary at this point. I think you you just keep the pick and you make a selection. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense unless there's like some way to package Karras and a first-rounder for someone else. I feel like Karras is our most attractive oh, asset yeah. that we're going to move because I don't think we're moving Isaac Okoro as much as everyone likes to think that no. is going to happen. But and I don't think we're moving Sexton. I don't think we're moving Love, which Bleacher Report loves pumping out the Sexton-Love combo for trash I, players. That's been, it's been like that for a while now, I feel like. The last year or two, you, you constantly saw those two guys uh, in in the same type of deal. Like Whether it be that stupid deal that Ben Simmons was uh, was going to be the – 
be the guy brought back. He was going to be the star attraction or just really anything to get rid of Love's contract, which to me, like I've said the last few episodes, is no longer a huge issue to me because it's going to be coming off the book soon. Yeah, that's what I basically said on Twitter. It was like, if I feel like a lot of people who are producing these articles, like I kind of get it for Bleacher Report because they produce those ridiculous articles, like 30 trades that will for each team that <laughs> they should make in the offseason. And you're like, if you're producing 30 trades, odds are you're not watching all 30 of these teams close. So you're just kind of looking at the cap sheet and being like, what moves can be what made. Works. And you're literally doing like some NBA 2K shit and yeah. trying to see what you can actually trade finder. <laughs> you're, you're using literally. trade finder. Where you're like, you're giving me Bam out of bio for uh, like Ty- Tyrese Halliburton in the second. All right. Yeah, fine. I don't know how many times I've like included Larry Markin or Kevin Love in a deal and it's netted me like Draymond Green or something as a potential return. Dude, Draymond Green's always in the trade finder. And two years ago, like no joke, it was Bam out of bio. Like you could get Bam out of bio in every trade finder. But uh, the um, the thing about the, the Cavs trades is that like Kevin Love is way too valuable at this point and trading him for another player of his salary is going to automatically be a downgrade unless you're, I, don't, I couldn't even, unless the team is willing to part with Brandon Ingram or something. Cause he's going to, he's going to make some serious money. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, for me, like, I just don't see, even if you package that 14th pick um, and cares, I just do not see, cause I'm, I'm taking Isaac Okoro off the table here. Um, unless something in some deal comes across that is absolutely you have to say yes to. I just think Isaac still has a ton of untapped potential. Um, so I'm not including him in any potential deal. But if you can move hair, um, if you can move Levert and that first, maybe. But I just do not see that netting you a elite wing or somebody who would be more valuable to you than that 14th pick without having to sacrifice Levert, who you still have for at least one more year. Yeah, I, um, friend of the pod, Justin Rowan, uh, put out on Twitter the idea that Chris Fedor had of uh, trading uh, Karis Levert for Mike Conley, and that idea made me want to throw up in my mouth. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. Like, nah. I, um, I, I just couldn't. I couldn't reason with myself that we're going to trade Karis LeVert, who I'm already, I'm not sitting here planting my flag on Karis Island, but at the same time, what, you, uh, Mike you, Conley, you, 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 want him right. <laughs> <laughs> you want Karis out of here. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, like I'd much rather have Karis LeVert than a degenerative Mike Conley, who right. basically got ran off the floor in the first round for the second year in a row. People are kind of forgetting that Mike Conley, since he's been to Utah, hasn't been fantastic. He's been like iffy at best for them. It's been a struggle to have him kind of blend with uh, Donovan Mitchell at times. So now he's going to suddenly become our backup point guard. And suddenly that's going to solve all of our problems. I mean, I've said it the entire time that Karras has been in, on the Cavs. His best feature to me that I was surprised by was his facilitating. So I think he can run back up point if you ne- actually needed to. It just de- it depends on if Karras is going to have tunnel vision for like the 50th play in a row in a game like we were seeing at times last year. Well, I think a lot of that, too, had to do with him not really knowing what role. You know, what is my role? There is really no decisive or definitive role that he had played um, when coming over to Cleveland. And so I think if you're able to retain Colin Sexton, you still have the ability to kind of stagger the minutes between DG, Colin, Okoro, and uh, and Levert in regards to facilitation. Now, we saw that Levert is capable of playmaking. 
Um, but I think having Colin Sexton back in town kind of takes that pressure off of him. Uh, and the two can kind of, you know, figure it out and play off of one another. I just, I don't think that Levert needs to necessarily take it upon himself to, you know, to be that primary facilitator if he doesn't have to. Yeah, but no, I was Conley. Just, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say when compared to Conley, that's more my point. Like, I think Karis brings way more to the table than what Mike Conley would, because he's not a bad facilitator. He, I'm not saying he necessarily needs to be the sec, like the sixth man, like lead point of the bench unit, but because that's what like Mike Conley would be expected to do. But Karis brings way more to the table, and it has to be noted that Karis Levert is very efficient in pick and roll offense. And his pick and roll options last year for a majority of the season were a combination of Lowry, Kevin, and uh, Moses Brown. Yeah, like I mean, you you get him with a healthy Evan Mobley, a health, uh, Evan Mobley, a healthy Jared Allen, he look much better, much more improved. I would be shocked if Karis Levert looks like how he looked this season. Next season, me too. Yeah. Full offseason in the Cavs, you know, program, whatnot, being able to learn the offense a little bit better, getting to build more of a rapport with some of the guys there that he just didn't have the ability to do so with. And that and the Cavs returning to full strength has me feeling really good about, you know, really each and every one of these guys. Yeah, the uh, I was like as a warning for like Cavs fans who are expecting the team to kind of shift the puzzle in 70 different directions. I expect this team to look extremely similar next season with the inclusion of like two draft picks and maybe one or two may like decent signings. Like I wouldn't se- expect any ground quaking moves for it Kobe literally Open. could, it literally could be the same roster next season. Like if you're spending your mid-level to bring back Rubio, um, if you're going after a guy like DeLon, right? I don't know. Um, it, and if you're looking, at the back of this, maybe a Hassan Whiteside, somebody like that. Um, Bismack Biombo. There's really it's hard to project these things, but I'll, it, the point is, is that this team could look literally the exact same uh, as you alluded to with the addition of maybe two draft picks. And I'm not expecting that second round pick to crack any minutes because uh, I think Dean and Lamar will get much more tread. Than any second round pick, and what, who knows what Windler's up to this season? Yeah, I, I want to say the ship has sailed on Dylan, but I guess you never really know. Um, Dean, hey. on the other hand, um, Dean that that was a, a loss that really hurt down the stretch last season, in my opinion. Um, and he could definitely come back and warrant some rotation minutes. We, we kind of know what Lamar is at this point. Um, you could see some improvement from him. But hard for a second round pick to really crack the rotation when you have so many uh, options ahead of you. Yeah, this was the Cavs team from like two years ago. I would say, yeah, probably <laughs> he'll probably get some uh, some tread. But now with the way the team is, maybe he'll get like minutes when players go down. Like because we all know this Cavs team is prone to some weird fluky injuries. So I wouldn't be surprised if at some point the second round pick gets called up and plays some minutes and maybe eventually cracks a spot, but we don't even know like if it's going to be a big or a guard or anything. So no, we don't. Um, and that's just the exciting thing about this draft. I mean, there's a lot of wings. There's a lot of bigs in this draft, a lot of players that could be potentially uh, eventually fill a role um, down the, yeah. down the line in the second round. And a guy that, you know, that I've been talking about for a while is Dalen Terry. 
Um, could definitely see him filling in for Rubio if the Cavs end up bringing him back until he's healthy. Um, and even if that's not the case, I could definitely still see him being selected and kind of stashed with the charge. Um, that latter second round pick, I just don't see the Cavs making two second round picks. I think something they're either going to trade it or consolidate or something. Um, you just, I don't see that happening. They're not, they're not walking out of this draft with three extra players. Um, no, unless the Cleveland charges books look really dire and they need to get like uh, a ball brother that we don't know about to come into the building. <laughs> Little Dicky, the fourth ball brother, call him up. <laughs> oh, I love those, man. That was uh, there's some good stuff right there, good content. Uh, but yeah, you just never really know. And if they do end up walking away with another guy, it's probably going to be via like undrafted signing. Um, I've already talked about a few players in particular who the Cavs should probably take a look at there, but uh, definitely say that this is an exciting time to be a Cavaliers fan. Um, this really could end up if they if they nail this, this really could be the last time they're selecting in the lottery for a very long time, man. Very exciting. Yeah, which would be uh good for us and bad for the uh Pacers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, you just you just look at the lottery order in itself. Speaking of the Pacers, they're selecting at sixth. Um, you know, we we got Cleveland here at 14, Charlotte at 13, Oklahoma City. Man, Oklahoma City is is sitting pretty right now with number two and number 12. Um, New York, New York Knicks at 11, Washington at 10, San Antonio at nine, New Orleans. I think that was a pretty big deal. What was they were supposed to be in the top four, right? Uh, New remember. Orleans. The first New Orleans pick was their pick from L.A. Gotcha. So. Shout out to the Lakers for uh, winning the Anthony Davis trade. <laughs> Psych. <laughs> Bubble titles don't count uh, in my books. Damian Lillard in the Portland Trailblazers at number seven. They'll be Dude. able to add to that core there. Dame looked like reason. he was at gunpoint in that lottery. Like he did not want to be there. He's like, what do I got to do to get off this damn team? I'm surprised they had Dame come up there. I Maybe I thought they would have had some other type of representative. I mean, literally, we saw Anderson Bergel rep the Cavs. Whoa. Okay. Anderson Verjao deserved to be there for <laughs> no, the 10-day contract. That's, that's not me saying I, I love it. I'm not saying that I didn't want him to rep that or uh, rep the city or, you know, I'm not a fan of it. I'm just saying, like, you usually see, like, a historical figure or maybe somebody from general management. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Mac is dropping bombs here, calling Anderson Verjao not historical. I said historical. A historical <laughs> figure or a – um. Or a general manager, or somebody you know, somebody in the front office, a head coach, something. The uh, uh, Anderson Verjao is like Anakin Skywalker, where he was on uh, one of the good side, and then we saw him in the finals on the Warriors, and he was in the dark side. It was a brutal. And now sight. look, they brought Hayden Christensen back, and he's back in the good graces of Star Wars fans. <laughs> so thank, thank and God, he sounds like a completely different dude now. So uh, he gets the redemption arc. Speaking of redemption arcs, do you think the pick, the Kings will finally have a good pick in the top four, or are they just wasting their time? I honestly believe that this is going to be a good selection for them. I mean, they really could make the playoffs next season. I, and I know that sounds crazy, just considering, <laughs> like, we always say this every single year about Sacramento. Like, do you think Marvin Bagley has a twin brother that they'll draft that we don't know about? <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to attempt to answer that one. I will say this. 
do you think that they need to go big here? Wing or a bigger wing? I think they need to fess up to their draft history and just trade for a guaranteed player. <laughs> but I mean, okay, no, it's so- weird. So like in all seriousness, uh, the like, I feel like in, at the four, they have their best choice of they're taking best player available. It's going to be a guard. And the, the tricky part about that is they just trade away. They're going to go shade sharp. Their best guard <laughs> to the, to the Pacers. Yeah. So it's like, we traded away our future guard to get rid of this log jam of three guards to bring in another one. And it's either going to be shade and sharp or it's going to be Jade and Ivy. And I will make no sense of it. I mean, at least they get younger, right? <laughs> yeah. You shaved off a year. Congratulations, Sacramento. You guys are galaxy braining the entire league. I don't know. I, I think they have potential to hit on it just because I think they're going to be working with a better head coach next season. And Mark Jackson. I think he, although he hasn't coached in a while, I think he has the potential to turn things around there. Um, Sabonis really helps being there. Yeah. Sabonis being their draft selection or their uh, lottery selection was pretty wild to me. It's like, we're just going to take the guy who's was literally on the team for three months as the face of our franchise. What about Fox, man? Come on. I, I, I guarantee you that was like a split second decision. I bet you that was not made like, months in advance or like demontas you in the area we just need someone to stop by that's exactly what happened that's literally exactly what happened that's what we're rolling with and so yeah sacramento at four detroit got that fifth overall pick uh houston brutal (laughs) yeah yeah i'm i'm sure they hate that uh houston at number three who will probably end up picking chet (laughs) no Uh, i i I don't know if you saw that uh, two. The ESPN mock draft that was released had Chet going one. Orlando. You think Orlando takes Chet? That'd be hilarious because if there's something Orlando doesn't need, it's another seven-footer. <laughs> they got enough size to last a lifetime down there. They need another guard, except I think they really like Suggs and Fultz as a card combo, but I don't – I like Fultz a lot. I don't see Fultz being like a major – like a star level or starter level guard on a good no. team. I think he's a good backup guard though. Cause he's very versatile in what he can do. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily call Fult a bust, but I, cause I think he is like going to be a serviceable backup guard, maybe a spot starter in instances, but it, he's certainly not living up to the billing of a number one overall pick. So um, they could go guard. I mean, they could go, no, uh, it could go guard, but I just don't see if if Orlando, if that's what they really want to do, they probably could trade out. Like, yeah, I feel think, like if I was Orlando, I'd want like Jabari Smith or Boncaro. Solid additions. I wouldn't take Chet. <laughs> just not I know Orlando. you wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw that mock, I was like, dude, Mac has to be fuming right now. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I I don't want people to think I have like something personal <laughs> against. No, Chet. I no. I think they already do. I mean, you obviously <laughs> are not a Gonzaga fan. That's for certain. I guess not, man. Yeah, um, if OKC ends up drafting Chet, though, that's gonna be awkward when the OKC has to look in the mirror and be like, "Well, crap, we already have Poku, so I guess Chet's gonna play the sixth man." <laughs> 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 See, that was, that's what I was afraid of if Cleveland would have jumped up into the top four is that they may have had to uh, talk Kobe Altman down from the ledge of drafting another big man in Chet. <laughs> 
yeah, well, uh, you know, OKC would, is probably willing to offload Poku. So if Kobe wants to snatch on that, oh, uh, Lord. buy low, sell high. Co- Kobe Altman, Poku? I'll give you Dylan Windler and the cash considerations second round pick. Oh, cash <laughs> considerations. You can do a lot with that. <laughs> yeah, the like 500000 that they throw around. Yeah, well, Kay Felder was acquired that way, if I'm not mistaken. And look how that pick turned out. Exactly. I, I don't know. That dude was fun to watch in college, man. Um, I don't know. DeAndre Liggins. <laughs> I love DeAndre Liggins in 2K. He was fun in 2K. I don't know about real life. <laughs> he was fun. He had some good uh, bench celebrations. He was sometimes the guy LeBron would chest bump after a good stretch. <laughs> so was Jared Cunningham. <laughs> and Jetty at one point. <laughs> Jetty was the man. He was the guy that inherited the spot that the king left behind. If you chest bump LeBron during one like 10-0 run in a meaningless regular season game, you can be assured that your potential and viewed by NBA execs goes way up. You're guaranteed to get paid at least 10 mil a year. There you go. <laughs> when Jetty, everyone's like, dude, Jetty has to be good. LeBron chest bumped him like six times and brought him to a workout. <laughs> he obviously sees something. Man, we've really taken a tailspin here, way off track. So let me let me reel us back in here. Um, scenarios in which you see this this pick completely bombing. Is there a potential for Cleveland to bomb on this pick? Like, can they can they screw this up? Because I I don't think there really is a way they can, but it's always possible. I mean, yeah, with the draft lottery, it's the lottery is special. Well, everything, especially the entire draft, is like kind of like Russian roulette. You just don't know how many bullets are in the chamber. <laughs> but uh, I feel like, you know, if if I was the Cavs, I would just go for a fit over best player available because I think that would be the smarter move. I think if we go best player available, that's kind of going blind to like, because even the best players in this draft in the top five, maybe two of them will get close to the potential that play that team see. You just you just can't predict these types of things. And I think Kobe Altman's smart enough that he's not going to go for best of player available anymore. I mean, you could say that when Isaac Okoro was taken at fifth, I don't think he was the best player available at that pick. I think everyone thought Halliburton was a lot better at that time. But shame on end- you. Shame on you. Dishonor on you. Dishonor on your family. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, uh, I, uh, I personally did not, I wanted, uh, Denny Advia, but that was just me. <laughs> he really turned it on this, uh, to close out the season. He, he's an interesting guy. Don't let Mac trying to throw shade at me deter any of the listeners from remembering that this man wanted Obi top in F5. I'm not shying away from that. <laughs> You're just trying to throw me under the bus. I'll, I'll saying, own that. I'll own for that. saying that Tyrese Halliburton was much more <laughs> lauded than Isaac Okoro. He, I mean, I'm not going to lie and say like now hindsight is 2020. And you're like, okay, would at that point in time, could you make a clear determination that Halliburton may have been able to offer the Cavs a bit more in, in terms of like a ready-made guy, maybe. But I'm okay with Okoro. But I'm not shying away from the fact that I did win Obi <laughs> at a certain point just because of the Dayton connections. You know, Obi would be really fun if Obi was taken in like the 16, 17, 18 range. But taking Obi in the top eight to me was like yeah, the biggest gamble of all time. But that just was like that was an accurate portrayal of how like people perceived that draft. After the top three, everyone's like, 
all right, so this is just blind now, isn't it? Crapshoot. Like, <laughs> yeah. literally, you really do not know. Like, that in the 2013 draft was, like, some of the toughest drafts, really. And and this one might be right up there. <laughs> and just... the, I mean, the Cavs knocked it out of the park in 2013. I mean. <laughs> was, you know, Anthony Bennett, you only back-to-back Canadians. I mean, great job for Toronto. <laughs> How crazy is it that the Cavs got those back-to-back number ones and neither of them were on the team within a year's time? Well, Kevin Love is better than both their careers combined. So, you know, I'm fine with it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, obviously, you make that deal 100 times out of 100 times. Uh, I say that, but Andrew Wiggins is a Western All-Star starter. (laughs) So <laughs> a late bloomer to say the least respectable NBA career. Um, would you think he still is living up to the billing of a number one overall pick in the eyes of K-pop fans? I would say yes, because that's the sole reason he got to be a starter. Otherwise, no, he has not been up to snuff for, but he hasn't been the worst number one pick. He's not a bad number one pick. Mm-hmm. He kind of is like Bogut to me where Bogut was serviceable in the league for a long time while being the number one pick. And, you know, I think, I, obviously, it didn't work out for the Timberwolves, but I think Wiggins will have like a 15-year NBA career. He's he's solid. Yeah, I mean, he's been in the league, what, seven, eight years now, I believe, and is well, actually longer than that. Longer than that, I think, like almost eight, nine, and he's still pretty young. <laughs> he's a part of the Warriors' young core. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right up there with uh, Steph Curry, the, the young fellas. <laughs> He's up there with Iggy, you know, part of that young core nucleus. It's a shame Sean Livingston had to retire so young, you know, because he was part of their young core as well. Yep. Oh man, <laughs> Sean Livingston retiring at like thirty nine. <laughs> what a, that that dude when he played for Cleveland? That was some fun times in, in in Cleveland. Like it was not a long stretch of period of time that he played, but we it was dark times in Cleveland, but it was still fun. You know, like guys like C.J. Miles. <laughs> Alonzo G. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, we Andrew got, Bynum, what what a guy. Such a sad like NBA career. Like such a sad end to an NBA career that started out so promising. Hey, but you know, great ties. Uh Mike Brown got hired again for the Kings because you know the Kings just love taking those great dart throws at coaches that already had tread. <laughs> Yeah, um, I certainly think that Mike Brown deserved another opportunity, and I'm glad he got it. Um, hopefully, he'll be able to kind of turn things around there, but we'll we'll see what happens. Man, we're just all over the place. I think it's literally just we knew we were going to be picking at 14. Yeah, no, I uh, I was like, so if they do get past four, if they get in the top four, I don't think I can emotionally handle it because I didn't think it was even remotely a possibility. I. Because I ran draft simu, I ran a tankathon thirty times for the Cavs again, the top four. And after the twenty fifth time, I'm like, how much of a loser am I with every click that I just kept on pressing it? And uh, I only got to fourth overall, and I didn't feel like that was worth thirty clicks. Well, you know, if I'm being quite candid, um, I really did not want the drama of picking in the top four. And I know that sounds crazy. That's honorable of you. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want the drama of picking in the top four because then you would have had a lot of different conversations. Um, you could potentially see them selecting a Colin Sexton replacement. Um, make it really, I'm telling you, there's a lot of drama that could have surfaced if 
that that pick landed in the top four. You could potentially have trades on the horizon, maybe packaging a Lowry Markkinen or a Karis LeVert and to bring somebody uh, that right there, a top four pick and, and an asset probably would have been enough to land you an elite wing. I would have honestly had the best sleep of my life knowing that Paulo Bancaro could have been on the Cavs. <laughs> that would have brought me intense joy, but nope. Instead, now I get to go back to looking at college tape of <laughs> mid lottery picks and just never, uh, you know, get to have a nice night of sleep again. Yeah, so I mean that would have been fun. It's it's all fun and games until we're actually on the clock and the Cavs have to end up choosing between Chet. <laughs> yeah, and Jabari you know, Smith. I'm just gonna say as a hot take, you know, uh, if uh, Chet Holmgren's available at 14, uh, Max Propaganda Machine spread way too far into NBA circles, which <laughs> means our listener our listener numbers should be way higher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, circulate it. Um, <laughs> nah, man, nothing against Chad. I'm just saying, like, I really did not want the drama of selecting in the top four. It, I I just wouldn't have slept well just because I think the, the rumor mill would have just sprang into action. You would have just seen things been left, uh, being sent out left and right. You would have seen Chris Fedor uh, tweets going left and right with rumors. Mac, I don't think we asked. Uh, what's your top three? Oh, man, we didn't. Um, it's really kind of remained the same, kind of consistent here. Um, Terry Eason, I definitely feel that what he could bring to the table fits maybe not so smoothly as a guy like Ochai, but I definitely like the potential of what he has, and I don't think you would have fear of him supplanting, uh, supplanting Larry Markin immediately at the three. I think he can play some three. I think he can play some four. Uh, my number two guy is Ochai. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, when I watch Tar Eason, you can tell me you obviously have watched more than I have of him because you made an amazing YouTube video, which everyone should check out if you want to know you. more about Tar Eason. Yeah, no problem. Just plug, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I got heavy Julius Randle vibes. I don't know about you, though. Julius Randle? Um, okay, so let me ask you this. Is that like... Is that meant to be a slight or, or a uh, is that a positive? What do you? <laughs> I guess it depends on your view of Julius Randall, <laughs> but I just you know I get the I mean obviously Justin comments Eason season obviously he's drinking the Kool Aid for Dar Eason as well. Damn right, yeah. I don't think it'd be a bad fit. I think the Cavs need someone who's going to be like you know what, F it. I'm just going to be the guy tonight and. That is something that we saw in the postseason outside of Darius Garland and Kevin Love shooting up 10 threes. But no just, one else was really able to do that. I don't think you need that right away, though. Like, I, that's fair. It's fair. Like, you can say you can never have enough playmakers out there, guys who can get their own baskets. That's fair. I get that. And that's why a lot of people like Ocha. <laughs> But damn it, Justin! Come on, I just I just—I'm not even going to put that comment. Actually, yes, I am. <laughs> I was just saying play style. Uh, but I just don't think you necessarily have to have that right off the bat, especially if you get Colin back. If you get Levert playing better, um, you have that creation. It's there. Um, so I think Eason definitely wouldn't necessarily take away from 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 that from those guys. I don't think it would be something that he would need to obviously bring to the table right off the bat. He's young. He's got time to develop. He's not necessarily, he was not a four-year guy like Ochai. So 
I mean, you're kind of sacrificing here, but just to get back to your Randall <laughs> comparison here, what light do you view Randall in? If you're like, if that's a comparison you would want to make. Well, I think Randall confined to a certain role is a very good NBA player. I mean, I think last season for him was kind of a fluke, obviously, with how efficient he was shooting. Because we saw this season, uh, those numbers what reverted way back to the norm, and the Knicks suffered heavily because of it. But don't worry, he was paid lucratively, so he's never going to try again. <laughs> and uh, overall, I just i i like the I would like to have a forward that has that type of mentality. So I'm not even saying it as a slight. Like I think Eason could be a way more efficient shooter minded Julius Randle. So I don't think it's a slight. I think it's something this team could definitely use. Like you said, it doesn't have to be immediate. I was just more speaking to the future. I don't think, I don't see a world in which Eason would probably start for this team, but I think he'd be a very solid contributor off the bench. Yeah. It's, it's at the point now where you can kind of plug and play with him, um, play a little bit of three, play a little bit of four, be it, could start if you need him to uh, in spurts, but I don't think you're, you have to really worry about um, Lowry being displaced by him being there. So I think that it would be a great pick. And then my, my last guy would probably, it's, it's, it's tough, man, because I, I see a lot of people wanting to bring in Malachi Branham and I have no problem with that because he's like offense, offense, offense. He, he is the guy that you would be like, you know what? We need a guy who can go out there and create a guy that can get us a basket um, he would be your selection if that's all like that, that, that Cleveland cared about at this point in time. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, my third guy would be between him and probably at this point, um, Usman J. So it, it's tough. It, it, these things kind of vary for me <laughs> each yeah. day, just kind of doing my evaluations of everybody. But I don't know. It's It's really tough to tell who is actually going to be available at 14. How quickly will JB need to be escorted to the hospital if Branham is uh, the selection? Because if there's something JB doesn't like, it's uh, a player who doesn't want to play defense. <laughs> it's not even just that either. It, to me, there's a legitimate like size, like size thing here because Branham, I think, is listed at six five. Um, mm-hmm. We know the Cavs need kind of a bigger two way wing. You know, a three and D guy, preferably. So, yeah, <laughs> JP is probably going to be rushed to the hospital immediately <laughs> after that selection is announced. He'll be getting jetty PTSD. <laughs> Just need medical help. Although I do think that um, Branham is much more polished offensively um, initially than Jetty was coming out of the gate. A smoldering take from Mac, but also <laughs> have to ask. Did you see Brandon ever chest bump LeBron in a 10 0 stretch in the middle of a meaningless game in the regular season? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> because Eddie did that and his potential was through the roof. 2023 20, 24. You wait. Jetty's <laughs> was- off the team. Jetty's gone. Jetty's back in Turkey. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> LeBron, there's always a home with LeBron. <laughs> LeBron will pull a Tom Brady and just let Jetty live with him in his house while he's yeah, in LA. We'll see about that. But in 2023, 24, mark my words, if Brandon is the selection, you're going to see a lot of fist bumping, chest bumping there between those guys. Oh, wow. So Jetty is just off the island and LeBron just steps back into the fold. Jetty might be gone after this season, bro. I'm oh, telling no, you. yeah. I, I was just more shocked. It was a Jetty for LeBron swap. What did Bleacher Report say? Kevin Love and Colin Sexton? 
for that. Dean Wade. Yeah, Dean Wade. <laughs> that makes sense for the Lakers. Just give up Sexton and Love and a second round pick. You get LeBron James. And then they'll just say how Colin has a lot of potential and Kevin Love is a dead cap. So I know not to pivot here, but before we you know close out of here, we're not, I don't think we really need to talk any more second round stuff. Um we, we we really just don't know what's going to happen with that. We don't even know if the Cavs are going to end up pay, making a pick in the second round. They might. I think they'll I take they, the first one. It's too high. Yeah, I think maybe they, they take the first election with it at 39th overall, and I'm, I'm really hoping it's Terry. Um, we'll keep saying that until it happens. Um, but just kind of pivot here. Did you see Kyrie Irving's comments the other day? Did you? Yes, what, I did. Give me your take on it. Like, What do you think about what he said? Kyrie is like I, I I was more shocked at the reaction of people being like oh yeah let's bring him back and I'm like yeah because that would mesh really well with what we got going on we got good vibes and we're gonna have Kyrie who even though all the players seem to love him when they like are his teammate have you noticed that the team vibes though never match what you hear from the players I mean I wouldn't say Brooklyn or Boston had good vibes when Kyrie was around there. I think it's nice for like a two week period when everyone's like, Oh dude, Kyrie's kind of chill. You guys just don't get him. He's like, he has a third eye. It's pretty cool. Like you guys just don't get it. Dr. Strange. <laughs> dude, spoilers. Dude, come on. <laughs> dude. <laughs> come on, man. That movie just came out like two weeks ago. You get one week, Corey. I just saw it. Thank God. Or else that would be a spoiler. You get one week. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you know, I thought the comments were strategic because I also have seen articles saying that Nike doesn't want to extend him because they think his NBA career is coming to a close, which that's cryptic (laughs) that Nike, the shoe company is telling you basically Kyrie might call it quits. But at the same time, I think Kyrie is like kind of realizing the writing on the wall that maybe Brooklyn isn't so keen on him sticking around. So he's trying to plant seeds of forgiveness wherever he goes. So I kind of just threw the comments away. It was kind of like when LeBron was talking about Cleveland at all-star break, I kind of put it in the same category. Yeah. It's certainly something that you you just never really know what's going on with Kyrie. Um, He could be planting those seeds. And and I know it sounds like I got a lot more serious because it's a serious topic for me, just because I feel conflicted in regards to Kyrie. And obviously I do not see Kyrie Irving returning to Cleveland anytime soon. Um, would I like to see him eventually return? Yeah, I think that'd be pretty cool. But the team is in good hands right now with Darius Garland and Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Colin Sexton, and company. So there's not really a need for Kyrie. Um, would it be cool to kind of see him kind of reestablish some of the uh, some of the affections that Cleveland fans once had for him? Yeah. Be a good way to kind of end the career, I suppose. But I definitely see him as trying to kind of not necessarily leverage, but um, he's doing the, this is page one out of LeBron playbook, you know. Plant your <laughs> seeds two years early. Yeah. Get like ready. If, if there's one thing that LeBron, that he learned from LeBron, it's how to try and rewrite a narrative or how to try and establish things ahead of time. So, if he's trying to have a potential reunion with LeBron, um, it's possible. I, I was mean, gonna say I, it's gonna be really cute when they try to rerun the 2016 highlights in 2028 with Kyrie, LeBron, and Kevin Love. Yeah, 
So it's definitely something that I could see happening later on down the line. I am glad that he came out and said that because we all do this, a lot of these things already. Like, had you stayed with Cleveland, you probably could have won at least one more championship. Um, Or your title window probably would have remained open as opposed to consistently being put out wherever you're going. Um, We saw Boston. Boston pretty much played better once he was on the bench or once he was injured, rather. Brooklyn never really Brooklyn never really came around just because of the vaccination stuff and the injuries. So you never really got to see, I feel like, peak uh, peak Brooklyn. At, um, I don't know. Hard to really say. Like I've seen some people say he's washed. I've seen some people say he's out of his prime. I don't believe any of those things. He just literally torched Cleveland. He went it's weird when you have uh, such good glue guys in Brooklyn like James Harden and Kyrie. You think that would work <laughs> out better? <laughs> I mean, uh, he had a stretch literally when he played Cleveland in that plane where he literally hit his first twelve shots. Like, dude's not washed. He can still. Oh no, play. not at all. He is super talented. Yeah, still in his prime, but he's a head case uh, a lot of the time. And I think really that uh, that interview, or if you want to call it like a, I don't even know what you want to call it. Um, I am athlete, you know, it's a great, it's a great, some great content, but Kyrie knows kind of how to spin things. And I think that's what he was doing. He's in the multiverse. (laughs) He's like in 28 universes, only one of them. I'm not in Cleveland and all the Cleveland fans (laughs) are like, Oh my God, that's awesome. I love this. He's such a good Cavs guy. When we put this out, I'm going to clip that and put, that's going to be the quote that's going to be out on you on Twitter. That's a good one right there. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a good way to end the show because <laughs> we're kind of we're getting here. Um, as we always tell you, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can at it's Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you want to be added to the exclusive It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot of that. It's Cavalier53 at gmail.com. And I'm pretty sure I just said that. <laughs> Hey, man, it's cool. Plug it again. One more time. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I just like oh, that man. I get to sit back and, like, watch it as an audience member. He just does. Like- he gets a live front row seat as I screw this up for, like, the billionth time. <laughs> hey, by episode 1000, we're going to have this on lockdown. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll still be making – I'll still be chopping it up and cutting it up to make it appear like I didn't. We'll see. You'll still be making Usman Dang highlights 10 years down the road. Yeah, when he's playing for France again and, and not in the NBA anymore. Dude, way to project his career, bro. He's like 19. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all have a good night.